I think if you are struggling with anything, it could be as little as just like a doubt in life, like a tiny little negative thought. Tell someone about it. It's just the practice of asking for help and having someone to lean on. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Um, I just woke up from a nap and it was amazing. <laughs> you earned it. I feel like I was in a different world for a Seven second. Seven months pregnant. You know what? You can take a nap every now and then if you want. I think we're eight, babe. Huh? I think we're eight. I don't know. I guess... Is, is pregnancy 10 months, technically? Pregnancy is 10 months. Nobody tells you. Yeah. We tough. are in the last eight weeks of it. You're crushing it. That sounds weird. It's wild. Anyways, uh, we just did an episode that we weren't really sure how it was going to go, but you guys seemed to like it, which was about mental health, addiction, and addiction within relationships and how to deal with it. I gave my personal story about eating disorders and identity and just kind of self-consciousness and all the baggage that came with myself going into the relationship with Andrew. And then last week we had the Baldonis join us who spoke on a similar issue. Mm-hmm. And today we are continuing the mental health discussion uh, because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, which is very important. And this goes without saying, if you are struggling um, with anything, you are just like all of us. And it is a beautiful thing to ask for help. So we will list some resources and places you can find help in the description below. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we don't confront this topic lightly, but we want to share our uh, experiences with it. So actually, I'm going to be talking about my mm-hmm. difficulties with mental health. Uh, and we do want to be clear before we start. We're trying to use accurate language as we go through this. So if we ever overstep or if you're like a trained you know, therapist and you know that we're discussing this incorrectly, please let us know that. Yes, um, please. We, cause we are doing this in, you know, good faith and, and really just trying to have an open discussion. So anyway, before we jump in, if you haven't subscribed to the show and given it a rating, please do so. We love this community that we've built here. This is the only channel that we have comments, um, on YouTube <laughs> yeah. with. So, yes. uh, please keep that coming and Shall we begin? We shall. So, baby, I gave my story of very general oversight of how I saw kind of the struggles that I dealt with, with eating disorders and body image, how they crept on, why they crept on, um, and how I dealt with them. If you could, would you mind sharing the first time you felt, I don't want to say compromised, but vulnerable to your mental health? Yeah, so... First of all, I got to say, I feel very fortunate um, in the sense that this realm isn't something that has been like a wild, um, you know, presence in my life. Mm-hmm. But it is humbling to think that when I look at my family line and my uh, relatives, mental health is uh, and struggles with mental health is like a, you know, common mm-hmm. thing. So. Anyway, I would say that the one aspect that I have struggled with personally is uh, when I made it to the pros for the first time, signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, I was like, obviously, I felt like the man. Mm-hmm. I felt so pumped. It was like confident uh, until about the third day of practice. And then I, that was 
the beginning of what I classify as anxiety. And I know Sean and I have had a lot of um, discussions about this, again, trying to use accurate descriptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is the closest thing that I can relate it to. Um, and yeah, it started this really four year long experience with that and I struggle with it and we could dig into the details, but anxiety has been my thing. Is it hard for you to look back on and put a name to it and like, and say, I struggled with anxiety? Like for me to sell? No, because no, I think when I was playing football and I had like this pride of, you know, I, I guess there's a stereotype of football players being physically, you know, fit and just mentally solid. Mm-hmm. I think I, when I was in that moment, um, would have shunned from calling it anxiety. But now I look back and I was like, dang, I was pretty fragile back then. So I, I distinctly remember, I feel like I could get emotional talking about it, which is funny. I also just woke up um, and I'm pregnant. So that's probably why. But I remember you going through that whole process and we weren't actually together. Like we were in a relationship, but we weren't together in the same city. Well, um, let's talk about this. Cause I thought we were engaged. So I, I kind of classified that as <laughs> yeah. you know, together to some degree, I but didn't mean it like we can, that. we can kind of dig into the weeds there. <laughs> we were <laughs> long <laughs> distance and engaged. Um, but I was getting ready for the Olympics. So I was traveling the country and you were at, at camp and we couldn't be together. And we were talking a lot every night and, I remember listening to you and watching you over FaceTime and like having conversations about how you were feeling and your nerves. And I don't know if you remember this, but there was one night where it just seemed to all come to a head Mm -hmm. and you and me both were just crying. And I felt for you so much because it was so, I don't want to say heavy. All right. As a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, This has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four-month-old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old and I love in these crates they actually have cards that say here are activities or things you can do specific to bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is I love KiwiCo there's always something new for kids to discover like learning about the science of ice cream engineering robots or doing science experiments which our kids have loved recently Sean is currently holding as she said the colorful chemistry kit which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. 
Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. Before you, but you were you were dealing with things that you had never dealt with before. Yeah. And you weren't sure how to sort through it. So going back to camp at with the Chiefs, how did how did your anxiety like show itself? How did you what were you feeling at the time? I know back then you didn't you didn't know how to put a word to what you were feeling, but what what were you feeling and how did it show? So let me pause and and kind of paint the picture here before we maybe talk more specifics, but I played football, uh, played at Vanderbilt, which is in the SEC, which is, you know, we're talking Mm -hmm. stadiums of 100,000 people. And then I went on to play professional. I was in and out for five years, uh, bouncing around a different team. So I, um, you know, the position I played in football was called a long snapper. And it's a specialized position. It's similar to like a kicker punter where you get a handful of plays a game, but you need to be really precise and the margin for error is very low. And I'd been doing this ever since I was like eight years old. So I was used to like the pressure, especially having played in like large college uh, stadiums. I, it would, obviously I got nervous and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where I would shake, yeah. but it was never what I would classify as unhealthy, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're just used to that feeling of nervousness as an athlete. But I came out of college. I was the number one ranked long snapper uh, uh, in the country in my class for whatever that is worth. And I signed with the Kansas City Chiefs in free agency. And I I was literally classified as a blue chip prospect. The coach there, uh, uh, Dave Tobe, he's still there as a special teams coach, had me as a blue chip prospect. They cut- Which means- top like mm-hmm. solid which means I'm you come in, in you do your job they're planning to keep you for good yes yeah so i was thinking okay i'm gonna be with the chiefs for 10 years they yes. released their previous long snapper to bring me in but since i was young they brought in like a, a competition for me so that i had to you know earn the job and in case anything went wrong which it ended up going wrong <laughs> and i as i mentioned earlier like pretty quickly lost that confidence. And it was like, it was almost like I was just sinking in quicksand is the feeling I felt. But I, um, started essentially changing my process and and how I would do my job, like perform. Imagine like Sean doing balance beam with shoes on. (laughs) I went from doing balance beam like a normal person with, this is an analogy by the way, with no shoes on barefoot Mm -hmm. to, uh, like doing something wild and weird, like wearing shoes on a balance beam. For me, it was like wearing gloves while long snapping. It's like a quarterback usually doesn't really wear gloves. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it was all like this, this process of me losing that. What I had done for 16 years, literally I'd done Mm -hmm. this for 16 years and I was performing at the professional level as if I was like middle school caliber Mm -hmm. because mentally I was just absolutely destroyed. And I, I remember walking around the facility. I actually did a, a, uh, episode on this on redirected my podcast, but I couldn't make eye contact with anybody just cause I was like super self-conscious. I, uh, would go home 
after practice and literally just lay in my bed with the lights off and um, for hours like this, I would go to practice for two hours a day and then be in the hotel room for the rest of the, the time. I would call Sean, we would cry. I, uh, I remember we've talked about this. It's funny now, um, to a certain degree, but we would have these team meetings, right? And that the whole team's in there. So it's like a hundred guys, 20 coaches. We're all grown adults, like whatever. Andy Reed, the head coach of the chiefs would get up in front of the room. He'd walk in the door and immediately I, I had this sensation, which I'd never had before of like wanting to, to yell out, stand up and yell out the F word, which is like wild. I don't have like, that's never been a thing. I, I cuss if I had to put a number to it, maybe like once a week, I don't know. It's like rare. And then here we are in like this, you know, very professional. I don't know. Like it's, it's almost like this, uh, holy place of the NFL meeting room Mm -hmm. where it's quiet and like just pure respect. And I wanted to stand up and cuss. Like I literally had to bite my tongue Mm -hmm. anyway, needless to say, it was this spiraling circle that didn't help my performance. I like relation relationally I felt isolated and weak. And then in camp, which is like two days, it just all came to a head. And like Sean and I would have these discussions where it was, it was just terrible. I just felt like a, this big, I felt like this big, tiny. I feel like, and again, back to our conversations way back then, just kind of diving into it. I, I feel like one of the biggest differences and one of the challenges you you're sorting through in dealing with the urge to like cuss and not being able like wearing the gloves and not being able to look people in the eye, which like if you know Andrew is very <laughs> not characteristic. I felt like when you went to Kansas City and you were faced with this challenge of proving yourself, you almost felt like you lost control over you. So let me put it this way. And I just connected this dot. Thank you for the tee up. Uh, in co- I think I had never struggled with the mental side of this because I'd always had a balanced life per mm-hmm. se where I would have to go to school and then I'd have to, you know, you're in a dorm. So you have a social life and then you're in college. So there's just whatever activity to do. And it was, it was m- way more than just football for me always. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, when I made it to the pro level, there was nothing that balanced out. It was football and that was it. Like that was it. Mm-hmm. It was just football. And so it was this hyper focus, hyper awareness of, um, of just that one thing that I ultimately undermined the performance of it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then question, if you were to zoom out from the chiefs at that time, what had happened in our lives is we had just gotten engaged. Mm-hmm. You had graduated college and it was your first year as a rookie in the NFL. Do you feel like that like major life transition right there added to the stress of football? Um, I you- think, I think the, I think not having you by my side because you were, I think you were filming celebrity apprentice and you were going on tour. So it was, it was really just me. Mm hmm was the biggest factor. Like there's, it was all good things. Engagement was pumped about. We were getting to do so many fun things when we saw each other, but that was, 
we only saw each other like once a month. So then other than that, it was me in a dark hotel room. So at some point within your journey within the NFL, um, after the chiefs, after honestly a few years, you had pinpointed a word of anxiety yeah, and that's what you would feel within football and that's what you would struggle with. And you would, you weren't sure how to like battle with that. Where, how did you come to that? So I, I should say I never got it professionally diagnosed, but I think I came to that because of my previous lack of experience with anything like this. So Mm -hmm. I I remember like I was just coming up with excuses for how can I get off of this team? Like remember that was Mm -hmm. when I said my hip was hurting and oh my gosh, I think I tore X muscle. It was so weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also, for the first time in my life, was like literally considering taking a drug to have me mellow out. So I was like mm-hmm. looking into how can I get like, what's the doctor I need to go see that will prescribe me Xanax? Because I was this ball of, it wigs me out even just thinking about it. It's so crazy mm-hmm. now that we're in this phase of life and I'm, I don't want to say I'm past it because I'm clearly still vulnerable to it, but just having been through that experience with it like it's just wild uh i i think those like indicators like that like me considering taking drugs which you know Mm -hmm. is not usually my first (laughs) second third fourth or tenth Mm -hmm. option um and then i'm curious to hear your perspective on this but i don't i don't really think that that was Andrew to a certain extent right that was Mm -hmm. like a different iteration of me Mm -hmm. somehow so that's that's why I again cautiously use the word anxiety Mm -hmm. I I remember going through this with you for I think the hardest part of it was that first year we I feel like you lost a lot of yourself that first year struggling with trying to make sense of it all um but I would, I would witness it from the outside in and whether we were together or not, not in a relationship, I just mean like <laughs> physically together. Yeah. Um, I would see it consume you. And I remember Andrew and I would have these conversations all the time after practices and we would FaceTime before we went to bed and it just, it would almost break my heart because to a certain extent I knew exactly what he was going through because for so many years we had been together and I had tried to talk to him through, or I had tried to talk to Andrew and explain eating disorder and how it consumed me and how I couldn't, I couldn't fight it off. And it felt like I was fighting the devil and it like, it was just, it was something that consumed my soul and I couldn't turn it off. And that's a very, very hard concept for a lot of people to understand if you've never experienced something like that, because it's so easy for someone to say, Well, just stop. Just stop thinking that way. Just do it the way you've always done it. Choose not to do path A, but go down path. Like, just turn it off. Mm -hmm. And I remember Mm -hmm. witnessing you start to go through this and start to see it magnify and consume you. And I knew at the time, just like anybody struggling with any mental health issue, I guess, is... I couldn't fix it for you. Yeah. There was nothing I could say. There was nothing the coach that could say. There was nothing that I could do to just fix it. And I remember 
talking to you as if one, I was your wife. And then two, as a coach of like, okay, let's look at it as something we can, we can practice. Let's, oh man. Let's practice visualizing. Let's practice positive thoughts. Let's practice. Can I be honest though? Yeah. All of your efforts to help me, like in some ways made it psyched worse. It, psyched you out. I remember you had me read the book Mind Gym uh-huh. and like literally, and oh, you, you put me up with a sports psychologist. I you did. were, by the way, so generous and helpful. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you would all like nothing but encouragement, but we'd always have the conversations like, Hey, mm-hmm. how, how are you doing? And all it did was made me think about it more. For you know sure. What I'm like, so I would be just wigging myself out even more. It, it is worth noting that, uh, Sean is like this stone cold Fox. <laughs> like I, it literally gets me hyped up to think about Sean in performance mode. Uh, I don't want to say that you weren't nervous, but like hot dang, she is just a beast when it's game time. Like you watch these videos of her about to hit the beam. I'm assuming this. I'm sure you're nervous, but like never had any of this uh, performance related anxiety. Oh, I did. But okay. So maybe you did. We've never yeah. talked about that. But, you know, even though you're secure mm-hmm. to some degree there, you had this other side mm-hmm. that was vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's the eating disorder, the insecurity, like that whole th- thing we had previously spoken about. And so. Again, it's humbling just to think that like because just because you don't have X, Y, or Z problem doesn't mean you ha- you don't have the other problem. So never, you know, well, I, I guess take that for granted. I think we said it the first time we during the eating disorder um episode, which is I truly believe we all have a massive weakness somewhere when it comes to mental health. And some of us are very lucky that you will never find it which is great that you will never come have an encounter to where it's triggered or you're like that button is pushed. You find the blind spot. But for both you and I, it takes experiencing something and it takes being triggered to a certain extent for that to come to light. And I love, I hate that we both went through it, but I love that we did because we made it through it. Each of us individually. I would, on the, as far as like a, spe- if you're going to view it as a spectrum, we're at a better place right now in this oh, moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that doesn't I'm, mean that we're just like over it, right? No, no. I'm saying we're aware of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Which I see as not tackling it, not succeeding in the, you know, getting rid of it, but to be aware of it and to find those, those buttons, those weaknesses, those blind spots is, really hard for people to do. And I think for you going through that first year, it was kind of, it was a major reality check for you and me Mm -hmm. just knowing that, okay, going into our second year, going into our third year or fourth year, however long you wanted to pursue the NFL, we have to figure out how to handle this and how to deal with it. So, which leads me to the next question. How did your anxiety and those feelings of like lack of control of yourself and the consuming nature of it. How did that affect when you came home? And then how did that affect still continuing to pursue the NFL? Yeah. So we, we actually never talked about that, this at all. So I'm just going to like try to put it all out there. 
really for the sake of us being able to reference mm-hmm. this at a future date. Um, but that's, you know, I, I've shared many times that after I got cut from the chiefs, I was moping around on the couch. I didn't feel like I had a purpose in life mm-hmm. and that's how we started YouTube. So it affected, are you talking about after I got cut home or like, like my relationships? Let's go for both. How did it affect you? How did it affect your lifestyle? How did it affect how you approached me, how you came home after you were cut? How yeah. did it, everything. So it, it pushed me more towards isolation when I was still in the context. And when I got released, it was like, I had two days of just tears. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Gosh, we've been through some stuff, man. So far even, and we got a lot more to go through. Uh, it was like two days of tears and then. I feel like it was a huge relief, like a weight taken off my shoulder. Cause it was like, Oh my, I don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go to the, the practice facility. Literally my job. So a long snapper at, pra- at two hour practice, you stand around for like an hour, one hour and 50 minutes of it. And then 10 minutes is like, you get five plays and I would be just brought to my knees, trembling about thinking about what is, what is minutes. that going to, yeah. What is that going to look like? Mm-hmm. I got five opportunities. Don't blow it. And that's what I spent 24 hours thinking. Anyway, so it was like a relief to not be in that spot anymore. Um, and so I think while I was in the situation, it pushed me towards isolation. And I really just didn't want to interact with anybody because I was, why? Why didn't I want to interact with anybody? Um, it wasn't fun. Like I just, I was always distracted, preoccupied. And it felt like everyone else, especially because our main social group was football players. Mm-hmm like first round, second round draft picks where it was like, Oh, I would look at them and be like, you don't have anything to worry about. You, you have a job secured and you're not going to get cut. Like I'm going to get cut tomorrow. I'm sure I'm going to get cut tomorrow. Like that's, I was just always have these thoughts mm-hmm. and, oh man, I don't know. So that's one aspect of it. And then when I got home, it was, it was even, it was still tough. Like after I got cut, cause the side effect of, you know, being in a, a highly advertised uh, sport like in the NFL is people are always asking you, oh, hey, so how's the NFL going? Or you got any calls lately or whatever? And so, again, it kind of pulls you back to only thinking about that, only talking about that. And, um, well, that was the year that you went to uh, on tour. And I, I locked myself in the house and I would Uber eat Mm-hmm. I I saw one friend that was Ryan Lemon, and that was pretty much it. I was by myself for like three months, so it took me a while to get over it. Uh, but I would say that that would be the effect. Mm-hmm. It took me a, a while to come out of that show, mm-hmm. and I got I yeah, I gained weight, didn't have any confidence. It was weird, weird. It's not weird though. It it's normal. Correct. Correct. Uh, I, let me say this. I All only right. say that because. I get the same way talking about like everything that I went through. It's so easy to start explaining it and start almost feeling mad at yourself. Like what the frick? Yeah. Like how could I have let that happen? How could I have become that person? How could I have, but it's so easy to let something like that happen and it's so normal and it's just learning how, so I've, I feel like this is kind of a live therapy session yeah. just because forgive me if I've overstepped and 
use words like weird, which I'm, I'm glad you called me out on it. But since this is like, we really haven't Mm -hmm. talked, we have these leading questions that we prepared for this episode Mm -hmm. and like, we've never had these discussions. Mm -hmm. So I think it's almost like a self-defense mechanism Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, trying to protect myself by saying, oh, that was weird. So I, I appreciate you correcting me. No, it was, it was a really hard year for you. It was a really hard year for us. It was a really hard year for me. I was back in gymnastics dealing with eating disorders and addiction on tour, feeling like isolating myself. Andrew was going through all of this with football. We weren't actually able to like spend time together. We are going through all of this isolated Mm -hmm. and having those insecurities within ourselves. We are isolating each other, isolating ourselves from each other even more. And I remember, I remember I would get to come home and visit or you would visit and you'd say, oh, I'm going to, you know, sign up to be an Uber driver today because I'm not, I'm not capable of doing anything else in my life. And you would say, I don't know, you would just say things where you would have no confidence in yourself. Pretty self-deprecating in like a serious way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really hard to see because, again, it's a mental journey every day of our life is. And we're going to go through ups and downs. And you're not just going to overcome something once and never have to deal with it again. It's going to be a roller coaster. But to see you struggle with that and to see basically your first year of football do that to you and bring that out in you and me not know how to help you was really difficult on a lighter note i don't know if you're gonna ask this but the the way i ultimately feel like i was able to pull myself out of the hole or out of the spiral Mm -hmm. and regain some degree of footing and i feel like i feel like the words i'm using hopefully relate to people who have experienced something similar but like um was really (laughs) just four more years of getting signed, getting cut, going to practice with different teams, having experiences, um, going through that process. And over that time, uh, fortunately, by the way, I can't believe that teams kept signing me and cutting me because my performance was still bad, (laughs) but, uh, Hey, uh, okay. Fair. I'm sorry. Self-deprecating. You don't have to apologize for self-deprecating. But the way I found, how to cope with it was distraction. Like literally just living a more balanced life for Mm -hmm. me is what helped me. So essentially the way my NFL career came to a close was the perfect (laughs) way for me to actually play in a game and not perform terribly. And And then a week later I was have a baby. Well, (laughs) (laughs) a great distraction. Well, yeah. So you and I, again, because I, got cut by the chiefs we started youtube we started this whole Mm -hmm. thing together it was a blast and that became like the thing that i was most excited about most looking forward to the thing i put most of my um thought Mm -hmm. to and then we were also uh buying this house which Mm -hmm. we did that whole series on it um anyway so we're in new york on a friend's trip and i get a call uh from the redskins at the time now the washington football team and uh they said hey it's Friday. We need you to play on Sunday. Are you free? And so I said, yeah, I'll go down there. We played a game. And because it was such a tight timeline, mm-hmm. 
I didn't have time to think about it. It mm-hmm. was perfect. Like it was almost a joke how perfect it, it panned out. Anyway, it's well, wild. I, I witnessed that with you year after year after year. It was almost like you went into your first year letting every ounce of your being be consumed by the thought of failure. Mm-hmm. And that drove you to anxiety and like, I don't want to say depression, but depression. Um, and then the second year it was like, okay, I don't really care as much this year. Like a little bit of you turned, turned off the football faucet and you were like, I don't care as much anymore. Yeah. And then you got to your third year and you turned it off a little more and fourth year and fifth year. And by the time you got to your last two years of football, someone would call and you'd be like, okay, I'm just going to go snap some balls. Or we would have- I love you. You would just say like, I love my life so much that if this works great, if it doesn't great. I don't care. At the very end, it got to the point where I was like, Sean, should I go try out for this team? And <laughs> should I go like, try out for like, an well, NFL team? Let's look team. at the schedule. Does it work? Okay, sure. Let's go. But I say that because early on in this interview, you said you had a lack of balance going into your first year that you felt you had in college. And I feel like a lot of times when our scales get tipped too far in one direction, bad things happen. Whether it's mental illness, whether it's whatever it might be just broken relationships or yeah and without that balance without having someone like a community by your side or sanity within hobbies or um just a way to to distract yourself from consuming thoughts you have to have your scales somewhat equal and for so many years you would tip it so far to i have to make this team in order to provide for my family, in order to be that NFL player that all my friends and my family want me to be, to live up to my father's expectations. Like there were so many different things that consumed your brain that your scale was tipped so far in one direction that when it didn't work out, you would have nothing left. Yeah. And year after year, you would learn that, yeah, I, I, I remember it was like your fifth year. It was the first time you ever said to me since Vanderbilt, I actually am enjoying playing football right now. Yeah. Because I get to go play. And I, and that was me at the Olympics. It was, I went through my ups and downs and I would struggle with bad years and good years where it's like, this is work and I hate it. And then this is not work and I am enjoying it. You're such a stone cold fox, dude. You're oh, freaking tank. It's literally, I'm hyped <laughs> thinking about you're I, a dog, dude. I want to put an asterisk by that, though, because something that I was very fortunate with, one of the reasons I got asked this question today in an interview, why do gymnasts retire so early? You usually see this gap. You see a gymnast succeed in gymnastics at a very young age. Usually they take some time off and they come back older. For me, I was very fortunate that I was still a child when I succeeded. So, yeah, I was stone cold. But I didn't have life slapping me in the face. I did not have the brain development yet to understand the magnitude of my situation. I was still a kid and I had someone thinking for me. Yeah. If I were to go to the Olympics now, the NFL, I don't know how I would handle it. still be a freaking dog, dude. I don't know because in all honesty, the reason I quit my sport when I tried to come back was because my brain was no longer there. I overthought it. I would get up on the beam and I would see what could go wrong instead of what could go right. 
I broke more bones, I sprained more ligaments, I had more surgeries than I ever had in my entire career because I doubted my ability. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how that happens? Yeah. Today's show is brought to you by Best Fiends. Babe. Um, Drew was up all night. So did I tell you what level I got to on Best Fiends? Did you stay up playing games? I did. I feel like challenge coming on though. So just break break the news. Tell me. I made it to five past where you were. Dang. I got some work to do? Yeah, you do. And get ready because the new puzzles are on a whole other level. Best Fiends always gets me with the new levels, the new characters, and the new challenges. It's nonstop. They're constantly updating the game. I love it. So are you accepting my uh, little friendly challenge? A fiendly challenge? The best fiendly challenge? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know I can't pass up a little bit of healthy competition. If you guys want to join in, you can join in on the fun today. Simply download Best Fiends for free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. I hear so many people talking about this on their podcasts, like Dax Shepard and people like this. It's about, awesome. Yeah. Try it out. We're going to link it down below. Let us know what you think. Let's get back to it. I remember you talking about you not understanding you know, or you were young and all the almost benefits that come with mm -hmm. that when you're competing. I remember like for football, we would do practice and then we'd have these rookie meetings where they teach us about financial responsibility and mm -hmm. talk, talk to us about all the benefits of what happens when you make an NFL team? You get this sick 401k retirement plan. You get all these, whatever, like the the health insurance, the dental, whatever. And so that's another thing that like would psych me out because mm -hmm. it'd be like, oh my gosh, what a dope opportunity, like a retirement plan. I never thought about it in my life, but now I got to make a team so I can make sure I get the retirement plan. Mm -hmm. And it was just like all these different things would just layer up. But Well, and I remember in New York when you got the call for the Washington team, and we had found out we were pregnant and it was kind of, I remember you thinking and saying, I want to do this so we can have health insurance for when we have a baby. Yeah. And, and we did, by the way. We, we did. did. <laughs> but I remember us having a conversation and I was like, we can get health insurance. <laughs> like that's not a determining factor here, uh, nor should it be any pressure. And I think I had just, no idea how to, though, by the <laughs> yeah, way. No, Zero no, clue. Just figured that out like two months ago, but side note. I just think it's so easy with anything in life to put too much weight into it, to make it too much of a big deal. And honestly, even as we raised Drew, we've had people comment and be like, dang, you guys are so chill with this or laid back with that. Or Who said that? Whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think we approach uh, a lot of things in life pretty relaxed. Yes. But I also think it's because we've done the opposite. Yeah. And failed at it that way and ended up in bad places in life because we didn't just say, you know what? It's all going to be okay. Let me present a, I feel like a common situation that all of us are familiar with that's on the same note of when you want, when you're like white knuckling something and you want it so yeah. badly that it ultimately actually, uh, prevents you from having that thing. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of like girls or boys, men or women who want a spouse want to get oh married yeah. so badly that then they'll like go into a first date and mm -hmm. take it way too seriously or have like, whatever. I'm not saying there's, I mean, we our, our first date, we hit it pretty hard, but like there's definitely, uh, you could tell when someone's like, whoa, this feels uh, like you're desperate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And anyway, that made me think about just that 
sometimes when you're uh, so obsessively pursuing something, it cannibalizes and undermines your chances of getting it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I, I have two things I want to say real quick. I want to backtrack. It's just a thought I had. Okay. Talking about myself at the Olympics and how I was fortunate to be young and I had someone else thinking for me. I don't want anyone to listen to this episode and think that a child is not capable of overthinking or being subjected to mental illness. Children are probably more susceptible than anything. And yes, I was able. From a performance perspective. From any perspective. Your age. But no, from a performance perspective, your age provided a benefit. Is at the time saying? for my yeah, for, for my particular yeah, yeah. case i at the time where i was was able to focus within my sport so well that i could win the olympics but outside of the olympics as a child i was dealing with depression identity issues eating disorders that i didn't know how to take care of so i just want to be very careful when i share that story that Nobody brushes off, oh, they're just a kid. They no, couldn't yeah. possibly deal with anxiety. They couldn't possibly be dealing with a depression or no, they can. And you always need to be aware of that for a child. Good looking out. Yeah. I, I'm curious, does it like undermine things? The fact that I never got my situation diagnosed. Well, that's what's interesting about mental health is like if you see someone with a uh, like a broken leg or no leg, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I see that there's something going on there but with mental health it's like and that's why i'm trying to be very accurate in describing my experience and just using anxiety as a term even though i never officially got it diagnosed mm-hmm. but it's like you know what i'm saying like does it does it detract i don't know i don't know um i guess i could argue that i never was diagnosed with an eating disorder but like i never went to a doctor's office and had a doctor say to me Yes, you struggle from anorexia or you struggle from whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. But I think we have both worked with enough professionals in whatever field that might be. Marriage therapists, sports psychologists, professional coaches, trainers, nutritionists. To understand that though some psychologists might define it as something different we struggled at a certain point in our life and still do with these feelings Mm -hmm. and you can lay out your feelings and struggles in a certain way, but that's, what's just so hard about the whole thing though. It's because it's so ambiguous and like, uh, uh, relative, you know, almost. Yeah. As far as I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm more asking for myself, but anyway, I think because it's not concrete, (laughs) it's tough and i want to be sure as we talk about it we're just doing people who are like diagnosed with anxiety justice by not you know saying Mm -hmm. oh you know like flippantly saying i struggled with anxiety okay i think a way we could easily solve that is let's bring a psychologist on the show okay i'm actually game for that yeah i'm curious if they would just unveil all these Oh, Andrew, <laughs> you have a long list of issues. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I do want to share um, the fact that I am very thankful for the idea that through my situation, there was always some degree of hope. 
I feel like at least in the sense of uh, positive communities, a friend that was there for me. And um, ultimately when I look back on my NFL career, I'm thankful that I went through all that. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for where I am now, but um, w- I wouldn't have learned the things I did, you know, had I not struggled through that. So yeah, I guess moral of the story being there's always hope and you can, um, you can see a better day. Just get there, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever way is right for you. I don't feel like I really hit that, you know, closing as a home run, at least based off your reaction. (laughs) That might be a hard episode to follow. Just kind of like the eating disorder one. Again, we aren't professionals in this field, but we have both been through some stuff and still continue to struggle day in and day out to make sure that we um, take every precaution we can to make sure we don't get to the places that we were at these times at our worst at our worst. Um, and I, I want to be realistic in saying we probably will. We probably will, but we have each other. We're not afraid to lean on each other and we aren't afraid to ask for help, which took both of us a while to, to come to, but I think that's very important. So I say that because I think if you are struggling with anything as I mean, it could be as little as just like a doubt in life, just like a tiny doubt, like a tiny little negative thought, tell someone about it. Make sure you have someone that you can say, I, I feel a little unsure whether if I should wear this skirt or these shorts. It's just the practice of, Acknowledging well, it, asking for help, and having someone to lean on. Yeah, let, let me preface that, though, by saying ask someone who cares and is a loving uh, <laughs> presence in your life, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and there's a, a right and a wrong person to do it with and a right and a wrong way to do it. So keep that in mind. Yeah. But, okay. Well, that's my story. Would love to hear uh, yours. Maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you're not. Uh, but... We'd love to hear them. So if you're able to uh, leave a comment on the YouTube channel or uh, in the rating, please do so. And subscribe to the show while you're over there, whatever you're listening. And we will see you next week. We have a great episode planned. That's all we got for you today, though. I'm Andrew. I'm Sean. We are the East Fam. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there. We don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... 
you'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.